0: Good evening, Crypt Keepers. It's time for a special announcement. You all know about the infamous Zombie Road from our podcast. It's a real-life dark forest just west of St. Louis. We're planning a free Zombie Road tour on Saturday, October 28th at noon. All are welcome, but the tour will include descriptions of violence, death, and hauntings. Zombie Road boasts an array of hauntings including shadow people, a railroad worker's spirit, a lady in white, old blue, the mummy, a monkey man, flannel man, and more. Deaths were commonplace in the area beginning with Native American battlegrounds, suicides, accidental deaths, and murders. The tour will be 100% free, and we will have some merch for sale, so bring some cash. Join us for a Halloween party like no other on the infamous Zombie Road. We'll see you there, Saturday, October 28th at 12 p.m. Central Time, Sherman Beach Park, 1582 St. Paul Road, Baldwin, Missouri, 63021. This podcast is a companion to the tour. You can listen whenever you want, you can listen during the tour, or you can just kick back and listen to me tell you all the stories. Prepare questions if you want, but I won't be enlisting victims' names. Evil. It lurks in the hearts and minds of man. It dwells in the dark recesses of our surroundings. And it lies in wait, like a venomous serpent preparing to ensnare its prey. Evil doesn't always just strike. Sometimes, it creeps up and wraps its coils around its victim, slowly squeezing the life out. Whatever the case, evil is abundant in our society, and the cases we're about to examine are no different. Zombie Road, a real-life dark forest in the outskirts of St. Louis. It's an abandoned stretch of road, full of mystery, intrigue, and the unexplainable. It stretches out along the treacherous bluffs of the infamous Merrimack River. The sordid history of the area began when it was a meeting ground and place of trade for North American Indian tribes. The area was also a place of fierce battles, and undoubtedly, death. Thousands of arrowheads and several Native American burial sites have been excavated in the area. Eventually, the railroad carved its way through the area. Dozens of men lost their lives during the construction of the railroad. Railroad workers were heavy drinkers and violence was commonplace in the makeshift casinos and brothels that popped up along the tracks. Fatalities due to accidents during construction were also frequent. A resort town would soon spring up where the tracks stretched through the area. It wasn't an ordinary town. It was made up of summer homes, built by gangsters and for gangsters. At that time, there was only one way in and only one way out. With all the serene land around Zombie, it's a perfect place for snitches and enemies to meet their demise. And Back in those days, the police didn't much care who was responsible for a thug getting whacked. A steady flow of dead bodies fertilized the beautiful foliage around Zombie Road. During this time, farmers worked the land around the Zombie Valley and it would soon turn into a small town complete with its own church, school, and general store. As hard-working middle-class people settled in the area, they started to notice strange happenings. Bizarre, untimely deaths, strange creatures, and more. Satanists. Locals constantly found evidence of devil worship in the secluded woods around Zombie Road. During the course of this podcast, we will reveal the truth about the haunted history of of the infamous Zombie Road. 1. Predator or Prey In an area known for numerous shadow people sightings, a house stood about 200 yards back off of Larry Elliott Drive. Although the location was not far from other homes, it exuded a sense of seclusion. One Saturday evening, as dusk began to settle, a teenager prepared to attend a party across town. The atmosphere was tense as she undressed to step into the shower. Through the condensation on the window, she suddenly glimpsed a face. Startled and terrified, she let out a scream and immediately called her brother, who was at a friend's house down the street. Grabbing her robe, she ran to the bedroom phone to make the call. Her brother wasted no time, hopping onto his four-wheeler and racing to their house, arriving within a mere three minutes. Inside he found his sister huddled in a corner sobbing but physically unharmed. She assured him she was all right, but her brother's anger surged. Growing up in the vicinity of Zombie Road had toughened them both, and he was determined to confront the intruder. Without hesitation, he stormed outside and discovered a black nondescript van parked on their long gravel driveway. By this time, His friend had also arrived together they aimed their four-wheeler headlights at the van revealing a man seated in the driver's seat wearing a look of shock on his face the young men pounded on the passenger window demanding answers but the man inside the van continued to stare straight ahead unresponsive and without a single blink frustration and unease began to grip the young men and they decided to retreat indoors and call the police for assistance. However, when they returned outside, the van and all traces of its presence had vanished, as though it had never been there at all. This unnerving encounter left the young men with many questions and a lingering sense of the unknown. Had they deterred a malevolent presence that night? It appeared that way, but the enigmatic vanishing act of the intruder Left them with an eerie sense of uncertainty, forever etching the strange incident into their memories. Two, Kay's House. If you're listening to this on the tour, we cannot go to Kay's House, unfortunately. It is a historical site that's blocked off and patrolled. But I do want to tell you some stories about strange happenings in this haunted house. We talk about orbs all the time and how most of them are just dust and bugs, but not all of them. A young girl lay in her bed on the verge of drifting off into slumber when the distant sound of a passing train rumbled through the night and stirred her from her drowsy state. The pale light of the moon bathed her room in an eerie glow, casting elongated shadows across the floor and walls. In the midst of this moonlight stillness, Edie's gaze fixed upon something peculiar, a tiny black orb that appeared to float out of the wall. As she watched in amazement, the small mysterious ball seemed to stall in the corner of the room. Gradually, it began to expand in size. As it did, it transformed thinning out and sprouting appendages until it resembled a perfect human shadow. However, unlike ordinary shadows, this one possessed depth and texture, giving it an uncanny presence. A sense of dread washed over the young girl, and her initial amazement quickly turned to terror. It might
1: come out of the wall, and it was a black ball. It was probably about a, a golf ball. Then it got to a baseball. It, like a very and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like kind of floated open, over and it got long, you know, like stretched out longer and longer and then it formed into a perfect man and he was tall and he was thin. That right there scared the crowd out of me. So it was dark like that, you could like barely see through. But you, can, you can see the perfect outline of everything. You know, it was like he was standing there, but he was painted all
0: black. That was pretty spooky. <laughs> she couldn't contain her fear any longer, and her scream pierced the eerie silence. In an instant, the inexplicable scene played out in reverse, as if time itself had rewound. By the time Edie's sister rushed into the room, the strange event had come to an abrupt end. The girl recounted the bizarre encounter to her sister, her voice trembling with fear and disbelief. Her sister listened intently, believing her, but also wary of revealing the unsettling experiences she had personally endured. For the remainder of that night, sleep eluded both of the sisters. The mysterious, otherworldly encounter had left an indelible mark on their minds, and the unsettling memory would haunt their thoughts long into the darkness of the night. This next story also happened at Kay's house. Seance of Chaos It is essential to emphasize that cryptique strongly condemns any attempt to communicate with the deceased, with the exception of the standard EVP or electronic voice phenomena session. Practices such as witch boards, Ouija boards, and seances are considered highly dangerous and should be avoided. A cautionary tale serves as a vivid example. A group of girls and a few of their friends decided to experiment with a seance in the spring house behind Kay's house. They had heard stories about how seances were conducted, typically involving participants seated in a circle, holding hands, with candles lit, and chanting. What they failed to grasp was that the last element could potentially lead to communication through possession, even if only temporary. The girls ventured into the dimly lit springhouse where candles cast eerie shadows. They formed a circle, clasped each other's hands, and closed their eyes. Eleanor, the oldest, took the lead in conducting the seance, guiding them through the process. As they began to chant and Eleanor beseeched a spirit to join them, the atmosphere in the springhouse changed. The air grew thick and oppressive, charged with energy. Undeterred, they continued to chant, and Eleanor persistently called out to the spirit. Unbeknownst to her, a presence was already in their midst. Edie, however, couldn't resist the temptation to peek. What she witnessed would haunt her for the rest of her days. Eleanor's visage turned pallid. Her features contorted into what appeared to be a man's face. Then the contortion halted, and her face displayed what seemed like a projection of a movie. Terrified, the young girl screamed and fled the spring house. If she had stayed just a few seconds longer, the spirit might have completed its possession. The remaining girls laughed, thinking the youngest was simply scared and running off. Little did they know that her swift exit may have saved them all from unimaginable terrors. This story serves as a stark reminder That while someone ringing your doorbell allows you to check who it is before opening the door, the spirit world operates differently. And you may have no control over who or what comes through. Again at the K's house, Old Blue and the Mummy. The two girls had the unsettling experience of growing up in a house that harbored not one, but two mysterious and unwelcome occupants. The first entity caused a great deal of turmoil in their household. Its presence was usually heralded by a distinctive and eerie sound tap, drag, tap, drag, tap, drag. This rhythmic pattern resembled the movement of someone with a peg leg or a paralyzed leg, taking one step and then dragging the other foot. Hearing this sound alone was unnerving but witnessing the entity was truly terrifying. The apparition took the form of a blue, fiery core with black appendages extending from its center. The girls recalled one harrowing encounter when they heard the creature approaching from the basement and they were trapped with no way to reach the staircase without crossing its path.
1: And me and Edie was in the kitchen. I don't know, we were painting our fingernails or being silly, we were little and I could hear it coming in. And I grabbed Edie and put her, there was this big old white cupboard that was built in. And I shoved her in there and I got stepped in front of her and I didn't have time to shut the door because it was right there. And uh, it got closer and closer and the crack between the cupboard and the door there, I could see this hand coming, waving by like it was going to grab the door and open it and uh, it just stopped but that that was scary my heart was in my throat that day.
0: In an instant the apparition vanished dissipating into thin air while the immediate threat was gone the fear of that encounter remained etched in the girl's memories haunting them to this day. The second unwelcome guest was an entity the girl simply referred to as the mummy. The spirit was named for its eerie appearance as it seemed to float across the house while dragging its toes on the floor. What about the uh, one that you called the mummy? Oh, that,
1: that's hard to describe what the heck that thing was. he looked like a mummy, only his arms were out like this, like they were connected or something and his legs were together and he just take small steps I mean it was that's the only way I can describe that and it wasn't even it was like it was but I guess you could say color of old rags or something too that's about the color of it like dirty rags like a tan there's like a little basement smaller basement there not in the front but in the back where the cistern was what what did his face look like? I don't know, all I I seen was a head and a body headed towards me and I left. I wasn't sticking around.
0: They did their best to avoid that room and the memory of the mummy continued to haunt them, leaving an indelible mark on their childhood and beyond. The two girls often found themselves in the care of their hard-hearing grandma during their childhood Grandma would spend her days in the living room, either listening to the radio or engrossed in a good book. Unbeknownst to her, the house had another inhabitant. Grandma never seemed to notice the little games the spirit played. However, for the girls, it was an entirely different story. Do you remember ever having stuff moved around in the house? Like... All the time.
1: Upstairs, if we were downstairs in the kitchen, and our kitchen was over the kitchen from downstairs, Always heard ch- chairs and that dragging across there. You go back down, you hear it all over, and you go back up. I mean, that was all the time. It, that just got old. <laughs> it did. You got tired of going up and down them steps.
0: <laughs> Despite the disturbances and the occasional eerie hand reaching out toward them, Old Blue had never posed a direct physical threat to the girls. Any entity with the strength to move furniture and objects could have caused much more harm. However, Old Blue's antics did take a toll on the family's relationships. The girls often found themselves blamed for the disruptions and mischief in the house, straining their familial bonds. Land of Shadows. Rumors of shadow people may have initially seemed like the ramblings of drug addicts to many in the Land of Zombie but there was one bone-chilling story that stood out from childhood, told by the same two girls. On a night like any other, they were trying to fall asleep, knowing they need to wake up early for church the next morning. Living just 20 yards from the train tracks meant that sleeping through the nightly train's thunderous passage had become routine for them. As the train rumbled through the zombie valley, its bright headlight cast a beam of light onto their bedroom wall, illuminating their room in an eerie glow. This time, however, they noticed something peculiar within the light, a man's shadow projected onto their wall. Their young minds logically assumed that this must be the train's engineer, positioned at the front of the locomotive, perhaps checking something or making repairs. The girls glanced out the window to confirm their assumption, but to their astonishment, the beam of light reached their window without interruption. Simultaneously they stepped aside and looked back at the wall only to find the shadow still there. Unmistakably, a silhouette of a man wearing what appeared to be a fedora.
1: And then I said sure, I asked Cheryl, did she see him? And she said no. And I go he's standing right there. It was still like you could see through him. It was almost like a shadow. Now I'll tell you what, that thing could curl the hair on you. I ain't kidding. You oughta heard that thing. It sounded like a woman screaming bloody murder. (laughs)
0: Then, as abruptly as it had appeared, the shadowy figure leaped out of the light, disappearing into the darkness, never to be seen again. Sleep eluded the girls that night, as the encounter with this enigmatic entity left them shaken to their core. Black Eyed Kid. Autumn swept its blustery winds through the zombie valley, transforming the leaves into a vibrant tapestry of pumpkin orange, sunshine yellow, and blood red hues, as it had done for countless years. The kids were back in school, relishing the precious free weekends that allowed them to engage in their favorite games. On this particular day, these two young girls and several of their friends, including a boy named Terry, had gathered for a spirited game of hide and seek.
1: We were all, of course, playing hide and seek. And then I went up in the woods and So I got midways up and there he stood. And I was saying, you cheater! And he didn't say anything. He just pretty much kept staring at me. And um, he had on like a, a black shirt. And as he stood there and just stared, I heard him say, ready or not, here I come. And I thought, what the heck? And then when I turned, He was completely different, Um, his eyes were dark, he was pale, He was like running the opposite
0: way. But the Terry she had just encountered up the hill had haunting shark eyes, completely black, devoid of whites or pupils and devoid of emotion or humanity. The boy with the shark eyes laughed hysterically and sprinted off into the dense foliage of the zombie valley woodlands, terrified. The girl fled back to her house, leaving the others to continue their game. She would later describe this encounter as the scariest moment of her life.
2: Number 3. Night Train. On a cool evening, a gentle fog slowly crept into the peaceful enclave of Zombie Road Valley. In a quaint home nestled within this tranquil setting, two very young girls were entrusted with the care of their beloved younger sister, a child of tender age and sweet disposition, barely five years old. The two older sisters shared a close bond and often engaged in conversations typical of young ladies, discussing the mysteries of love and the world beyond their own. In the midst of their chatter and laughter, they never suspected anything amiss when their youngest sibling momentarily vanished from their sight. Unbeknownst to them, their little sister had seized an opportunity for adventure and slipped quietly out of the back door to partake in the timeless pastime. Of childhood play. Her innocence led her ever closer to the railroad tracks that lay just behind their home. Tracks that had claimed the lives of too many souls before hers and would sadly continue to do so. Tragedy struck swiftly and mercilessly as a train thundered through, its unforgiving path intersecting with the life of the innocent child. In a heart-wrenching moment the train claimed the young girl's life freeing her soul to ascend to the heavens above. In the quietude of Zombie Road Valley, where legend and reality often intertwine, this haunting tale serves as a somber reminder of the fragility of life, the unanticipated turns it can take, and the enduring echoes of the past that linger among the living. 4. River of Death Ask most locals about the Merrimack River and you'll likely receive the somber response, River of Death. However, this isn't the accurate translation of its Native American name, which means ugly water. Perhaps if the indigenous people had known what lay beyond the river's bend, they might have aptly named it River of Death. In the 1970s and 80s, before the Dioxin Scare, the locals frequently set trot lines in the Merrimack River. These submerged lines yielded numerous large catfish and turtles, making them a popular method for securing a meal. Grandpa, a seasoned expert, was eager to pass down his knowledge to his young grandson, teaching him how to handle the catch safely. Both catfish and turtles could be quite dangerous, especially for inexperienced hands. As they pulled up the line, Grandpa couldn't help but smile at the weight on the other end already imagining the delicious catfish nuggets they would enjoy for dinner that night. However, reality would soon shatter their appetites as the dark water gave way to a ghastly sight with pale, bloated skin breaking the surface. Grandpa knew they had stumbled upon something horrific. A month earlier, a couple of float trippers had met a tragic fate, dumped into the seemingly placid river. The Merrimack Deceptively shallow and calm, lured unsuspecting souls into a false sense of security before its relentless undercurrent dragged them to a watery grave. The horrifying sight before them was undoubtedly the canoeer whose body had never been recovered. The pale, bloated corpse, nearly unrecognizable as human, marked the beginning of a chilling tale for the young boy, whose life would soon take a dark turn. His journey through the enigmatic depths of the Merrimack River was only just beginning, and the river's ominous reputation as the River of Death would soon reveal its haunting truth. 5. Death Bridge In Jefferson County, Missouri, in the year 1998, just 15 miles south of Zombie Road, a horrifying and tragic event unfolded. Two individuals, ensnared in the grip of methamphetamine addiction, hatched a sinister plan to rob an elderly woman in order to finance their next fix. Their actions would lead to a terrible sequence of events. Under the influence of their addiction, the two men broke into the elderly woman's home, subjecting her to a brutal and merciless beating. They plundered her meager possessions and took whatever little money she had, driven by their desperate need for drugs. As they surveyed their ill-gotten gains and the unconscious figure lying before them, they decided that disposing of the body was their only recourse. In a chilling twist of fate, they chose Zombie Road as the location to conceal their heinous crime. The men wrapped the elderly woman in landscape fabric, adding weights to ensure her body would sink. Then they loaded the macabre bundle into the trunk of their vehicle. They embarked on a grim journey to the relatively remote location at Zombie Road, driven by their desire to erase the evidence of their malevolent act. Once they arrived at their destination, they dragged the woman's unconscious body out to the edge of the Death Bridge, looming over the murky waters of the Merrimack River. In a scene out of a horror movie, the shock of hitting the cold water revived the elderly woman from her unconscious state. In her desperate struggle, she unwittingly ingested water, leading to a horrifying and tragic death by drowning. The subsequent police autopsy revealed the presence of water in her lungs, unearthing a more harrowing and heartbreaking story than previously believed. It serves as a grim reminder of the depths to which addiction can drive individuals, and the unimaginable consequences that can result from their actions.
0: Number six, death jumps. Many have jumped to their doom from the railroad bridge on Zombie Road. The water's usually plenty deep, but there was a train derailment here in the late 80s and the cleanup crew cut off the catwalk on one side of the tracks, letting it fall into the river. So, there are long timbers, metal railings, and pieces of metal randomly lying around the landing area. I jumped off this bridge many times and I'm very fortunate to have not been injured or killed. Don't jump. There's a lot of local legend on people dying from hitting metal scraps. My uncle was fishing over on the far side of the river and when he was wading back he got a huge gash on his leg presumably from one of these pieces of scrap. I saw a girl break her back jumping off when I was a kid and her boyfriend had to jump in and save her. She wasn't paralyzed, thankfully, but they did take her out in an ambulance. Another local told me a story of a big heavy man that jumped in when the water was a little low. His feet got stuck in the mud at the bottom, and he almost drowned before breaking free. Seven, Lover's Lane. In the zombie area, apart from hunting, fishing, and partying, another popular pastime was parking. During the early 1980s, a young couple engaged in this commonplace activity seeking a secluded spot on a gravel side street near Zombie for a private rendezvous. They parked their car, presumably with the intention of listening to music, engaging in conversation and sharing a drink. Like countless young lovers before them, one thing led to another and their romantic evening took a passionate turn. However. The couple would never get the opportunity to take the next step in their amorous encounter. On that cold spring evening, they had rolled up the car windows and turned on the heat to ward off the chill. Unbeknownst to them, a lethal threat lurked within the confines of their vehicle, a carbon monoxide leak in the exhaust. As they cozied up inside, the colorless, odorless gas slowly seeped into the car, silently and insidiously casting its deadly spell upon the unsuspecting victims. Trapped within the cocoon of their automobile, the young lovers felt victim to the toxic gas, their lives slipping away as they were enveloped by its lethal embrace. The town found itself plunged into mourning for the tragic loss of two lives, a grim reminder that even the most innocent of moments can turn into the darkest of tragedies when faced with unforeseen dangers. 8. Electrocution at the Underpass In the early 1990s, a young man was electrocuted at a utility pole right where Zombie Road begins. He was excited about being hired as a tree trimmer, but wanted to get some experience, so he picked a utility pole. It seemed safe enough, but he made the mistake of touching a line and was electrocuted. 9. The White Lady Legend courses through the veins of Zombie Valley like an unstoppable freight train, and within the valley itself, tales whisper of the ethereal guardian who watches over the very tracks that have become a dwelling place for the protective spirits that roam Zombie Road. She, the ghostly figure, glides gracefully along the tracks of Zombie. Her presence both warns and comforts travelers of the impending shadows and misfortune that may await them. Her form is one of elegance, her skin a soft unearthly white, and her long obsidian hair flows in gentle untangled wisps that seem to defy gravity. This ethereal guardian hovers a mere six or seven feet above the tracks, a spectral apparition draped in a gown as white as the purest snow, reminiscent of a ball gown or a wedding dress. Witnesses often describe her as appearing to move as if she were submerged in water, only here, in the air. Her presence is neither menacing nor disquieting. Rather, those who have encountered her report a sense of peace and serenity in her proximity. Such accounts have led many to speculate that she may be a residual spirit, forever bound to the earth due to a tragic fate, perhaps that of a drowning victim. It is as if she continues to roam, endlessly searching for the elusive light that will lead her to her final resting place. In the zombie valley, where legends intertwine with the land itself, her spectral watch over the track serves as both a haunting reminder and a reassuring guardian of the mysteries that dwell within. 10. Midnight Express during the sweltering summer of the late 1960s, the Zombie Road Valley was gripped by a stifling humidity that seemed to clutch at the throats of its inhabitants. In such muggy St. Louis nights, a frosty beverage could provide the perfect respite from the oppressive heat. Among the community's hard-working folks who knew the value of both toil and play, there was a man. He too sought solace from the weather's relentless grip and the soothing embrace of alcohol. On a particularly humid evening, he set out with a bottle of booze and a pack of cigarettes, hoping to find some relief. As he wandered through the valley, he decided to take a stroll along the nearby railroad tracks, seeking the comfort of the cool night air. Little did he know that this would be the last walk he'd ever take. Underestimated by the man himself, the amount of alcohol he consumed began to take its toll. He sat down on the tracks attempting to quell the rising nausea and regain his composure thinking that just a few minutes of rest would suffice. However, as the effects of his inebriation deepened, he drifted into a profound slumber completely oblivious to the impending danger. Tragedy was inevitable and it arrived in the form of an approaching train. The locomotive thundered over Death Bridge and its conductor faced with an impossible situation, had no chance to stop before it brought a sudden and fatal end to the man's ill-fated nap. The entire town was again enveloped in mourning, their hearts heavy with sorrow at the loss of one of their own. In the midst of this somber moment, the Zombie Road Valley was reminded once again of the harsh consequences that could befall those who sought refuge from the relentless summer heat in the arms of alcohol.
2: 11. Union Pacific Shrapnel A young man takes a walk along the railroad tracks by Zombie Road. This young man was completely sober and not playing around on the tracks. His feet smushed into the gravel along the tracks as he walked along. His thoughts drifted in and out as he made his way. A train made its way along the tracks as well. The miles dissolved as the freight train thundered through the Merrimack Valley. The young man wasn't worried at all as he was a safe distance from the tracks. The train breezed by and the man felt a burning feeling in his back. He fell to his knees in agony. Shrapnel had shaken itself loose during the cross-country journey and came off of the train at just the right time to strike a death blow to a pedestrian in a small Missouri town. More than likely, it was a railroad spike or something placed on the track, which the train wheels spit out. Bizarre to say the least. Paranormal? Possibly. 12. necrosearch. A few years later, the young boy who discovered the corpse on the trot line would again be asked to find the dead. A group of teens were playing on the train tracks at the end of Zombie Road. They wandered out on the bridge overlooking the Merrimack River. You would think that an approaching train would be easy to hear, but this is not always the case. They move with deceptive speed. Because of their size, they appear to be moving slower than they really are. In any case they were caught off guard and tried to sprint back to the safety of the shore. The fleet of foot were able to make it back but one of the girls was not so fortunate. It is thought that panic prevented her from simply moving to the other side of the tracks. Nonetheless a teenage girl was hit by the train and completely dismembered.
1: Yeah it was a girl and a boy both um, were hit by the train. Um, The boy's body Um, He was knocked into the water, killed instantly, knocked into the water, but she was pulled under the the train and they found her pieces and um, uh, they didn't find everything, you know, of course they didn't know that, but one of the neighbors found a part of her body.
2: Diligence was necessary because the vultures, coyotes, and raccoons would soon find these parts. He and a couple of his friends were given black bags and set to the duty of searching out body parts. The locomotive wreaked havoc on the girl, but the teenage boy had some success in his quest. He found a foot all the way across the river and returned it to be put to rest with the girl's remains. It was an event he would not forget, but not the last in a line of extraordinary events in the young man's life.
0: 13. Native American Burial Site At the top of the cliffs here on Crest Drive, my dad bought a house about 25 years ago. The man he bought the house from made a disclosure before the purchase that he had recently added a detached garage. When he was digging the foundation out, he found three bodies with what appeared to be stone tools but no arrowheads. He reported this finding to the police who ruled out murder and the skeletons were turned over to a local university. The man contacted this university to find out who was buried on his property, but the police and the university wouldn't even acknowledge that any of these events happened. 14, Dead End Street. A side road off Zombie, known as Wolf Trail, now sits in the midst of a swank neighborhood populated by architects and lawyers. However, this tranquil residential area was once a gravel logging road that intersected with Zombie Road near the Merrimack River. On a fateful day, a young hunter was making his way back from Zombie where he had been scouting for deer. His ultimate destination was his girlfriend's house on Ridge Road, and he decided to use Wolf Trail as a shortcut to reach her more quickly. As he ventured through the woods, he noticed a Dodge Charger parked at the end of the gravel road. The distinct growl of the Hemi engine had caught his attention from a distance. As he drew near, he realized something was amiss. There was a hose attached to the car's exhaust pipe. The radio inside the vehicle blared loudly, and the young man behind the wheel was unconscious. In his desperate efforts to help, the hunter discovered that both car doors were locked and only a small crack in the window allowed the hose to be inserted. Fueled by panic and determination, he frantically searched for a large rock to break the window. When he found one, he shattered the glass, reached inside, and turned off the engine. With great effort, he managed to pull the lifeless body out of the muscle car. However, despite his valiant efforts, it became painfully clear that the young man was beyond saving. In a state of shock and urgency, the hunter sprinted approximately two miles to his girlfriend's house where he called 911 to report the grim discovery. He guided the rescue workers back to the scene where they requested that he leave so they could initiate life-saving procedures. The outcome remained uncertain, but the hunter's account suggested that the young man had already succumbed to the fatal effects of carbon monoxide poisoning when he was pulled from the car. This haunting incident serves as a reminder of the unexpected perils that can befall even the most tranquil of neighborhoods, and the swift, heroic actions of one individual in the face of a life-threatening situation. 15 Satan's Altar On top of this cliff, there's a circular bench and table made of stone. People have found satanic symbolism throughout the years at this place, as well as many dead animals. People have allegedly found bloody clothes, but I don't think there's been any police investigations. Getting up there is one thing, but getting down is very dangerous. 16. Monkey Man Trail A man who was part of a ghost hunting group was walking down this trail, doubting that they would see anything paranormal in this giant park. But to his and the other's amazement, they saw a smoky human form on top of a cliff. He said that what he termed the Monkey Man ran down the side of the cliff like he was running on flat land. He stopped in the middle of the trail and looked at the group, eerily tilting his head. He was described as transparent, but clearly human, aside from the ability to run up and down cliff walls. He turned and ran up the cliffside to disappear. Later we took some filmmakers, the Booth Brothers, to this spot with a thermal camera and saw what appeared to be a human form crawling towards us. It reached out with a hand, like it wanted to touch fingers. One of the ghost hunting team walked towards the thing, but couldn't see it visually. It only showed up on the thermal camera. 17, Flannel Man Trail. On this same trip, one of the women in the group claims that a man in an orange or red flannel shirt stepped out from behind a tree, touched her breast, and walked back into the woodline. She said as soon as he stepped into the forest, he disappeared. 18. Mountain Lion Trail. My family hunted these woods for years before they became a park. My aunt, one of the young girls from the Kay's house, is particularly prolific with a bow and has taken down a 10-point buck somewhere near here. She had made claims that she'd seen a black puma several times, but most people don't even believe there's mountain lions in the area. Until 2021, when a trail cam caught a picture of a mountain lion right about here. It wasn't black, but it does prove that there's mountain lions out here, and theoretically, there would have been many more when this area was sparsely populated.
2: 19 face of death The Christmas season had arrived Blanketing the zombie valley with a serene beauty characteristic of the early 1960s a Couple decided to take a romantic stroll making their way up to the bluffs that overlooked zombie road the scenes at the cliffs could be breathtaking offering panoramic views of the valley below but they could also turn treacherous in the blink of an eye The couple embarked on the semi-steep trail through the woods, hand in hand, heading towards the cliff's summit. They were in pursuit of a perfect vantage point to share a romantic view of the valley. The man, undaunted by the perilous edge, inched closer for a better look over the side. He seemed entirely unconcerned with the danger that loomed below. However, this moment of recklessness would prove to be fatal. The man lost his footing on the precipice, and despite his desperate attempts to recover, he was unable to prevent his fall. His body plummeted, smashing into the rocky trail below, leaving behind most of the skin from his face, which remained suspended in a tree.
1: was um, a gentleman back in the mid mid to late 70s, had uh, fallen off of the cliff and hit his face on the way down.
0: And had fallen a hundred feet into the wedge of a tree and it had ripped his face off and he was lying at the at the base of the tree.
1: When the ambulances and stuff came down and he said he saw the body and all you could tell was it was a male. Other than that you could not see any facial features or anything on the man because he was so disfigured
2: from the fall. The one thing that remained a mystery was the duration of his suffering. Those involved however preferred to believe that it was mercifully brief. 20. Dead Man's Hand In the early 1900s, the Merrimack Valley of Missouri was a stark departure from the affluent St. Louis suburb it would later become. This rugged land was toiled upon by resilient German farmers who transformed it into a bountiful tapestry of family farms. Tucked away on the eastern fringes of Zombie was a makeshift cottage originally constructed by and for railroad workers. Its sole inhabitants were a frail man whose weathered face bore the deep creases of decades of labor, and his wife. He was known for being a diligent worker, a heavy drinker, and an unfortunate gambling enthusiast. Every Saturday night, he convened with the same group of friends to engage in poker. Poker, a game of bluffs and bravado, had an interesting quirk. Most players fancied themselves as sharks whether their skills match their aspirations or not. Our protagonist was no exception. His card-playing companions extended invitations not out of affection, but because he was an easy target. He recklessly gambled away his life, piece by piece. He parted with his late mother's cherished jewelry, his weekly earnings, his land, and his livestock. He was left with nothing, but it seemed that these men didn't even want what little he had left his dilapidated hut that flooded twice a year, and the toil of an aging man. In a desperate plea, he implored them to allow him to wager once more, double or nothing, then triple or nothing. The men had no interest in what he had left to offer. Then one of the men made a cruel proposal. Bet your wife, old friend. You've already gambled away everything else. Laughter erupted among the callous gamblers but little did they know that their jests were about to turn into a somber reality. The embittered man accepted the bet, determined not to be humiliated once more. It was a high stakes game with one hand, winner takes all. Unbeknownst to him, our protagonist had a tell, a subtle habit or gesture that betrayed his hand. Two of the men folded and exited the game while the dealer revealed three kings. Our friend, blinded by desperation, held only three-eighths, and so he lost it all, including his wife, who departed willingly with the dealer, her youth and vitality attracting her to a better life beyond the grip of her despairing husband. Devastated and broken, he stumbled out of the gambling hall and towards the desolate stone hut on the banks of the River of Misery. Half a bottle of gin forgotten on the counter became his only solace as he sought to drown his sorrows. The man saw no other path to happiness. Life had dealt him an unending series of losing hands, and for once, he wanted to be in control of his destiny. He believed that perhaps the next life would be kinder to him. With determination fueled by alcohol, he staggered to the barn that had once sheltered his goats and secured a length of rope. As the wind howled and the valley echoed with thunder, hail began to pelt the earth. He stumbled back into the small stone hut where he hastily threw the rope over the main rafter. He had little knowledge of tying a noose, so he simply knotted the rope around his neck and mounted the table that had served as the setting for countless dinners with his departed wife. In his drunken stupor, he faltered, tumbling off the table, but the knot held firm. Soon there was only a lifeless body swaying from the rafters of the little stone hut.
0: 21. Watery Grave at the Sandpits. It was the end of a scorching summer in the late 1970s, and three boys were relishing a refreshing dip in the serene waters of the Merrimack River. As the shadows lengthened, fatigue started to creep over the boys, but their youthful spirit refused to succumb to weariness. However, sometimes youthful exuberance can lead to grave consequences, as the events at Zombie. Would soon revealed. A
1: church group that came down to take people swimming from the city and uh, three young men passed away drowning right down here.
0: Probably one of the most tragic cases down here is uh, around 1982 or 1983, uh, three young teenagers drowned at the same day. Apparently, one had, was either pushed in horseplay or jumped and uh, started to drown, calling for help and the other two went in to help him. They both drowned. I remember yeah. uh, water patrol dragging for the bodies for about three days before they'd recovered all three bodies. 22, Shadow Ridge. The now famous photo of Shadow People was taken near where Al Foster Trail ends. It was taken with the moon behind the ridge and what appeared to be small, shadow children, lurking, waiting for their next victim. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Don't forget about our special announcement. You now know all about the infamous Zombie Road from this podcast. It's a real-life dark forest just west of St. Louis. Cryptic Podcast is giving a free Zombie Road tour on Saturday, October 28th at noon. All are welcome,
2: but the tour will include descriptions of violence, death, and hauntings, as you've just heard. Zombie Road boasts an array of hauntings, including Shadow People, A Railroad Worker's Spirit, A Lady in white, Old Blue, The Mummy, A Monkey Man, Flannel Man, and more. Deaths were commonplace in the area, beginning with Native American battlegrounds, suicides, accidental deaths, and murders. The tour will be 100% free, but we will have some merch for sale, so bring some cash if you're into that. Join us for a Halloween party like no other on the infamous Zombie Road. We'll We'll see see you you there.
0: there. Saturday, October 28th at 12 p.m. Central Time, Sherman Beach Park, 1582 St. Paul Road, Baldwin, Missouri, 63021. What do we always say? Don't sleep. Cryptique. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.